You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Pastor Wolfmuller and I were talking about this text this morning while we were in the office, drinking coffee and, you know, distracting one another, as we usually do. And uh, Pastor Wolfmuller and I uh, were talking about the fact that it is so common for Christians to look at Jesus feeding the 5,000 and to think to ourselves, there has to be something more, right? I mean, there should be really uh, uh, nothing but astounding astonishment, you know, uh, and wonder and and joy over the fact that Jesus gives bread and fish to people to eat. But for some strange reason, it's never that simple, it seems. It seems like it, uh, Christians have to look behind the bread, so to speak. I mean, there has to be something else going on here, right? This is too corporeal. This is too physical. There must be some greater spiritual reality behind what's going on here. And in fact, this plays into this idea that I think that you'll find in pop religion. Is that a word? I don't know. Popular religion that God, if he cares about anything, he really only cares about your soul. Spiritual things are supposed to be better than physical things. And so you feel confident, right, when you pray to the Lord asking for transcendental blessings. But as soon as your petitions start turning toward, I don't know, uh, having a house, food, clothing, a car to get around in, tuition for your kids, or health, it's tempting to think that you've somehow wandered away from asking God for safe things, that is, those things that He really wants you to have. So what about when you get sick? Or what happens when you're near death? What will happen when the walls of your house shake this spring because there's a big storm? I don't know about you, but my petitions will probably turn towards the needs of the body. And I don't think that's any reason to be ashamed. So what do you think? Is the immaterial spirit better than matter? It's true that Jesus preaches against worshiping mammon, the stuff of this life, putting our fear, our love, and our trust into it, right? And it's true that you've inherited from Adam, from your human nature, both guilt and corruption. But do you think that your immaterial soul was any more free from corruption than your body was? Or that it was somehow more free from sin before you were baptized? No. It was corrupt to the core. So much so that St. Paul says that your entire person, not just your body, was dead in trespasses. Just because something is immaterial or intangible doesn't make it holy or good by definition. Case in point, think about the devil and his demons. They don't have bodies, and in that sense, they're far more spiritual than you will ever be. But that doesn't mean that they're not corrupt. Quite the opposite. They're corrupt to the core. Their wills are perpetually turned against the will of our Heavenly Father. They're turned against His Word. Dear saints, anything that fights against God's Word and faith 
And that same word of God is what the scriptures call flesh. It's the corruptions of spiritual and bodily natures that lead to judgment and they lead to death. Being truly spiritual, according to the Holy Scriptures, is not to despise creation. To be spiritual is to hear the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit working through that same Word to believe in it. Now, all of this all of this is to say that we, we don't believe and we don't belong to some sort of strange Gnostic sect. You and I know, we've been taught to confess in the very first article of the Creed that physical things are not evil. I mean, how is it, how can we call the physical world evil or lacking after God had blessed it by calling it good? And then when it comes to our own mortal natures, right? Uh, How can we think less of it when we know that God's Son was pleased to dwell with us, to become our flesh and bone brother? What this means, dear Christians, is that your whole person, body and soul, is precious to your Heavenly Father. He created you. And his son redeemed you with the ransom price of his, of his blood spilt upon the cross. And your heavenly father doesn't want you to have a disembodied salvation. A salvation that's only for your soul and not for your body. He wants you to have a full salvation. Where body and soul are knit back together in eternity, in the resurrection. Where your eyes will be laid upon Jesus, and your lips will sing his praises for eternity. He wants you to have a salvation right now, today, that you hear with your real ears and that you believe. That's the point of today's gospel lesson. Jesus knows that you need food, just as he knew that the crowd needed food. And he feeds. (laughs) He feeds us with more than we could possibly need. Jesus cares for your bodies so that you might hear and believe his word. Now, uh, Martin Luther writes somewhere that... uh, in the three uh, uh, sort of synoptic Gospels that, we, that are called Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, you primarily learn about the miracles and the work of Jesus. That's sort of their focus. But then Martin Luther points out that John's Gospel is different. Jesus' works are still there, and especially his work of suffering, dying, and rising again. But you won't find quite as many miracles Instead, what sets John's gospel apart is that the Holy Spirit was pleased to put there Jesus' sermons, his preaching. You hear large chunks of these sermons that both chastised sinners for their unbelief and then commended them to faith with the promises of the Lord's love and mercy. Now, you would think that that, uh, John would somehow include the feeding of the 5,000, all the gospel writers do, by the way, that he would include the feeding of the 5,000 because, you know, the crowds heard Jesus preaching and they said, we want more of the preaching. They'd come chasing after Jesus saying, give us another sermon. That's not it at all. 
A large crowd was following him, John writes, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Even though Jesus came to preach, as John tells us, they were there because they saw the miracles. Now, did our Lord resent them for that? Did he tell them, uh, figure out why you, you should really be here first, and then I'll give you something to eat? No. Jesus had compassion on them. He saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he would be their shepherd. He would feed his sheep so they wouldn't starve in the wilderness. He fed their bellies, but he loved more than just their bellies. He cared for each and every one of them completely, body and soul. You know, we can we, we, we say, based upon Romans uh, chapter 10, right, that faith comes by hearing. And indeed, that means that if your senses don't work, <laughs> if, you're, if uh, you're too weak to hear or to see or to feel, or if you're dead because you've starved, <laughs> the fact of the matter is you'll not hear the voice of your good shepherd. Jesus wants to give these people life so that they can hear his gospel. Even if they're there for all the wrong reasons, Jesus doesn't care. He keeps them alive so that they could hear something greater, so that they could, they could see greater signs than even just the healing of the sick or, or the multiplying of the loaves and the fish. Now, I, I suppose we should stop at this point and sort of ask... <laughs> Or maybe you might want to ask me, you know, this is great that Jesus uh, feeds five, more than 5,000 men, women, and children out there in the wilderness. That's an incredible sign that Jesus is something special. He's doing something great that we should pay attention to him and listen to him. Uh, but let's face it, Pastor, we don't see things like this anymore. When I open my fridge at midnight, uh, generally speaking, there's less there than there was at 5 o'clock earlier in the evening, Right? And then when I open it up in the morning, there's still even less there. Food doesn't multiply, it diminishes. <laughs> you know, so he might have cared for their bodies so they could hear his preaching, his gospel. But when has Jesus ever gone out of his way to miraculously, you know, to care for me and my needs, especially when things are tight? You know, it's almost silly when I try to kind of phrase it that way, because I know you know better. It's a demonic trap. To assume that our Savior has come to only feed one crowd in history and has left the rest of us to fend for ourselves. I mean, that's utter foolishness. You know it's absurd. You know how the Lord has opened his hand to satisfy all of your desires. You know how uh, even, you know that, you know, the, the world chases after food to labor after it, to work after it. But, you know, it's not the diligence of the farmer that makes the crops grow in the springtime. The Lord God speaks, and the trees bear their fruit, and the field yields its, its corn, its barley, and its wheat. You know, I don't usually tell stories during sermons, but I suppose this might be an appropriate one. Uh, there, I, it was a few months ago, 
that I was visiting a, a brewery in Del Norte, and I was talking to the brewmaster there, uh, and uh, I noticed that above his fermentation tank uh, was this big crucifix. This <laughs> is sort of an odd thing to find in a brewery, I suppose, especially a Colorado brewery. Uh, and I asked him, what, what is this? What's going on here? And he told me, you know what? I give thanks to God that your pastor friend down here, Jason, uh, tell, you, 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 preaches to me the gospel. Uh, I, I give thanks to him for that. And it reminds me every single time that I hear him preach that for all of the science that goes into brewery, for all of the careful measurements that I make, uh, uh, and uh, for all of the little tricks that I have up my sleeve, when all of the ingredients make their way into the fermentation tank, something incredible happens, something that nobody can truly explain or, or comprehend. And I know that it's not because of my strength or reason of will that, that it all takes place, but it's because of what Jesus has done for us, that our Heavenly Father loves us and takes care of us. That's why this incredible thing happens. Dear Christians, your Heavenly Father hears when you pray for your daily bread. And for the sake of His Son, He answers you. He gives you more than you could ever need. I mean, all we have to do is open our eyes to see the reality of it. And so rather than worrying about tomorrow, right? Jesus, Jesus has given us more than enough reason to let tomorrow worry about itself so that today we may trust in his word. What's interesting is that after Jesus had done this, this incredible sign of feeding the people's bodies, uh, they began to see Jesus in a totally new light. No longer was this uh, 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 sort of uh, an incredible healer from Nazareth, but this man was now the prophet who is to come into the world. And you know what? The words that came out of their mouths were 100% correct. That is exactly who Jesus is. The prophet that was promised in Deuteronomy chapter 18. But interestingly enough, uh, even though they said the right thing, it seems like they didn't know what they were saying, nor did they believe it. The Lord said concerning his prophet that the people should listen to him. But they didn't want to listen to Jesus. They wanted him to just feed them for another day. They're ready to take Jesus by force. They're ready to, to put him on a throne. And then, and then I suppose they expected that out of his kingly courts would come flowing bread and fish day after day after day, right? They expected probably that they would never have to go to work again, that they would just have as much food as they could ever possibly want. But a prophet, according to his office, doesn't feed. A prophet, according to his office, preaches. And this prophet, when he preaches, forgives sins. He comforts consciences. He covers iniquity. And he raises the dead to life. And so, dear saints, Jesus doesn't give you your bread today so that you can worship a bread prophet who gives you something that's here today and surely gone tomorrow. 
He's faithful to his office, even if we worry about what's going to be in our bellies. As a prophet, Jesus fills your ears with his gospel. The bread from heaven that you eat by faith. That forever satisfies your hunger and thirst for righteousness. When the crowd finally caught up to Jesus, after Jesus had you know, walked across the Sea of Galilee during the night, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Your food only lasts for a while. And your Heavenly Father knows that. And He'll give it to you. Don't obsess over it. Don't make it your God, but receive it in thanksgiving from your Father's hand. Tomorrow, for the sake of His Son, your Heavenly Father will give you exactly what you need. But also know this. There's a bread that lasts more than a day. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, like I said before, this is a bit of a bread sermon today, and this is, in fact, the sermon probably for another day, but you still need to hear it. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You have found the kingdom of God. Here you hear Jesus' word. You know his mercy and his righteousness that has come through his blood spilt on the cross. In faith you eat upon this living bread from heaven and you trust in him. Your whole person is precious in your heavenly Father's sight. And he will keep and preserve you both in body and in soul, to the day when Christ our Lord returns in glory. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.